started looking at the Christian household like if we if we actually thought about Jesus returning and seeing our households what would he think about them what would there need to be that we might want to change before he sees that I want you to think about that as we continue this idea of what the Christian household is supposed to look like but I want to go a little bit farther than what we did last week last week we looked at just part one and we look specifically at marriage, okay? The husband and the wife, they are, of course, the ones who start the household. But, of course, they're not the end result of just the household. Because a Christian household is going to expand and is going to be even more than that. In fact, last week I started with a bit of trivia. And I want you to, to think back and, and remember this. Do you remember what I said was the first thing that God stated was not good? Well, last week we looked at that, and the first thing that God said was not good was, it was not good for man to be alone. Well, I've got a similar type of question for you. 
little bit of, I guess, trivia that we can start off with and thinking about. What was the first thing that God said to man? Think about that. What do you think it might be? There's a few things all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 that God did say to Adam and Eve. But what was the first thing? Let's look at it together. In Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, we read, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Did you catch it in verse 28? What was the first thing that God said to them? He said to be fruitful and increase in number. Well, what we're looking at today, of course, is the second part of a Christian household, and that is there are children involved. Now, of course, just like last week, maybe it's not going to be true in every single individual family that you might find or within every single marriage, but by and large, that's what we find. We find out whenever people do get married, whenever they start a family, they're going to be having children. And that's what, what I want us to see. And I, and I want us to also learn from... Uh, uh, several things from even Jesus himself about the importance of children. But now this goes back, obviously, to the very beginning. They're told to be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Well, part of that is, of course, having children and filling the earth with these children. Um, and I think that we've done a pretty good job of that. You know, we, we have filled the earth, but have we actually ruled over the earth? Have we brought to here on earth? Because that's what God wanted from the very beginning. And I think that sometimes we do a better job than at other times of that. But that is what God wanted. And that is still what God wants today. Now, this is a theme that goes all throughout the Bible. I want to give you another uh, passage in the Old Testament. Psalm 127. Listen to this whole psalm. It's a short one, but listen to it. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those uh, he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Now, this short psalm, it talks about how children are a heritage from the Lord, how this offspring is a reward from him. We see that there's so many times in which the Bible speaks about how children are such a wonderful thing, that children are such a precious thing, and they are the second part of what we're going to look at as the Christian household. This is part two, the children that are involved. Now, we're actually going to be visiting some of the same passages, or, or rather just a few verses later, uh, from where we were last week. Now, we looked at what Jesus said, and we looked at what Paul said. Let's kind of do that, but in sort of reverse order this time. Let's first go to what Paul has to say in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy 
long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, so let's look at what Paul is saying right here. Now, keep in mind, just like last week, I made notice of the fact that Paul, he wasn't married. There, there's no indication from the Bible that he was actually married. Um, there's also no indication from the Bible that he had children. However, I think that whenever we start to look, we find out that he also kind of had a way of sort of adopting Christians as his children, kind of that type of relationship that they have. So this passage and these other passages, um, even if you yourself do not have children, you can still apply these things. You can still recognize what is being stated by God about this. So here in this passage, children are told to obey your parents and the Lord. See, this is what a Christian household would look like. The children would obey their parents. And of course, the parents, as verse 4 says, would produce a type of environment that they can train their children, that they would be able to instruct their children in the ways of the Lord. That's what all of this about a Christian household is supposed to be framed around, is the Lord and what he desires from us. It's even one of the commandments, as verse 2 says, honor your father and mother. It's one of the big 10 commandments that are specifically given. But, you know, it's also actually kind of the, the first commandment that was given a promise connected with it. And that promise is stated in verse 3, and we see that it's so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Well, let's take a look from the book of Exodus, and we can see this commandment and the promise is given. As part of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is the command. This is the promise. Honor your father and your mother. And I believe that there's many different ways in which we can do this. And also, even after we are, are uh, older or even perhaps grown, there's still ways to honor our family. There's ways to honor our father. There's ways of honoring our mother by the way that we live our life so that we can have a long life, both for the individual, but also as a community. Now, keep in mind, this was stated originally to Israel. So Israel was supposed to have this long life, this, this nice time in the land that the Lord was giving them. But can't that also carry over to a Christian? I mean, that's what Paul does. He specifically states it. He says, this is what children are supposed to do. They're supposed to honor your father and mother. It's not new information. It's just what a household that is pleasing to God is going to look like. It most certainly is what a Christian household should be looking like. Now, this is something, of course, that the parents themselves can't just do. You can't force someone to honor you. You can't force someone to obey you. But it is something that the children must be involved in as well. They need to honor their father and mother. They need to obey. This is part of what our households are supposed to be. Now, the responsibility as parents is to help them. I've already kind of stated that before, but that's what Paul says. He says, you know, don't just don't just needlessly make them upset, but provide this type of house that they will grow, that they will be instructed in the ways of our Lord. That's what this Christian household is supposed to look like. So now I said we'd we'd also look at what Jesus has to say. So let's see some of the statements that Jesus says. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 19. Now, this is right after like where we left off last week from what uh, Jesus was saying. Jesus was talking about marriage, and then he was saying you know, several things about, uh, about marriage. And then, after he taught those things, 
then it's not by accident, I think, that this story follows it up in Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 15. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Now let me state some things. I am not trying to defend their culture. I'm not trying to defend how they thought about things. I'm just trying to help us understand these statements that are given right here. We see that people are bringing little children to Jesus. And we, we probably know this story. We probably love this story. And, you know, we see how, how tender Jesus is, how welcoming he is of these children. But let's take a step back and let's recognize what happens before that. See, what's happening before that is the disciples are rebuking them. The, the disciples don't want any part of these children. Why is that the case? Well, if you do a little bit of digging into their type of culture, their culture did not think very highly at all of children. Uh, yes, they were a blessing to have them, but whenever you have them, it's it's kind of like a, a thought, and I've heard it expressed sort of like that. this, that children, uh, it's better for them to be uh, seen and, and not heard. You know, they're, they're not supposed to, to make a big fuss. They're, they're just supposed to to be kind of there, yes, and they're important, but they're really not all that important until they, they grow up and, and become, you know, adults and stuff. That's oftentimes the thought that, that has existed even up until kind of, you know, more recent times even. And that would have been their culture. Like I said, I'm not trying to defend that. I'm just saying that children weren't very highly thought of. But Jesus, he lifts up their status and he welcomes them. That is so wonderful for us to get that part. He even says that the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He's saying that the kingdom of God is not for just the high and the mighty. In fact, oftentimes it's not for the high and mighty because they reject the kingdom. They want to have nothing to do with God and his kingdom. But the kingdom of heaven, what it's really about is it's about these children, the ones who society says are not all that important. But Jesus says they are. They're very important. Let them come to me. Don't hinder them. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And of course, you know, he, he cares for them. He cares about them. This is something that we can learn about the Christian household. Let's learn from Jesus's example. Let's also invite children and, and let's welcome them to be a part of this because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Let me kind of push this just a little bit farther as well. Uh, it's kind of interesting to me that this the word that's being used here for children, at least the word that's oftentimes used for children uh, in the Greek New Testament, it's actually a gender neutral word, which means it's just kind of an inclusive term that means for boy or girl. You know, by the way, we have a word for boy and girl, but they just kind of said children. Even children is sort of a of a generic. It could be a boy or a girl or, you know, multiple ones and, and you know, things like that. But in some ways, this Greek term is just not even giving the child uh, enough of kind of a credit as to, well, is it a boy or is it a girl? It's a child. It's going to become, you know, a, a man or a woman in the future. But right now it's just, it's a child. Now I state that to lay a foundation for the story that we're about to look at, because in Matthew chapter 19, this isn't the first occasion where Jesus has done something with children and kind of brought them in to his community and brought them into the center of focus, really. In fact, if you go back one chapter, back in Matthew chapter 18, you find out that of all things, Jesus kind of uses a child. Uh, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl, by the way, because of the Greek term. 
but he uses the child as a sermon illustration, so to speak. This is what I mean. In Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What do you think Jesus is going to say? I mean, they're probably expecting, you know, somebody really high and mighty. That's not who Jesus says. Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Verse 2. Jesus called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Are you seeing the significance of children in all of this? Now, many times, of course, we, we kind of think pretty highly about children. And we are you know, increasingly living in a culture who welcomes children and kind of lifts them up. And I would say some of this, of course, comes from the fact that Jesus himself did that. You know, and that, that's, that has spilled over into our culture as well. But yet, we do need to be aware of, of what Jesus says right here. He takes this little child... Like I said, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Perhaps it would, would have been a girl because that would even kind of drive the point home even more. Because, you know, women were also kind of thought of not as highly. Not trying to defend it. It's just part of their culture. But what he says is, he calls this little child and he says, you've got to become like little children. In fact, unless you do become like little children, you're never going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven? His listeners did. And of course we do too. But in order for you to enter, you have to become like little children. You've got to take the lowly positions of this child. And whenever you can understand what it means to take on the lowly position of the child, then you will understand what it means to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Keep in mind, he's answering the question, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus, of course, gives us kind of this, this statement in verse 5. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. I hope that we can be churches who welcomes children in the name of Jesus. And I hope also that we can be Christian households who welcome children and uplift children in the name of Jesus. One final statement that Jesus goes on to make is, is actually a warning. And that's what I want us to end with right here and, and now as well. Because the next couple of verses tell us this warning. Matthew chapter 18, verses 6 and 7. Jesus continuing on, he says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Jesus did not speak highly about those people who cause little ones to stumble. Let's make sure that we heed this warning. Let's make sure that we recognize the faith of a child and let's become like children. Let's uplift children who are part of our community as well. And most certainly, let's avoid making them stumble. He says in pretty graphic you know, details right here about how bad it would be for someone who makes a little one to stumble. Woe to that person. Let's heed this warning. Listen to it. Let's make sure that we, we understand the importance that children have in the kingdom of heaven. Let's make sure that we understand the importance that children have in the Christian household.
They have a very, very important part to play in all of this. Let's help them thrive. Let's help them grow. Let's help them every day to become more and more like Jesus. That's one of the main reasons as to why they were given to us in the first place. Let's make sure our households reflect that. Do not lose heart, do not lose heart. Take care, my soul, that you not lose heart. Do not lose heart, do not lose heart. Eternity matters, so do not lose heart. How can I pray when my heart is broken? How can I praise when I see so much pain? How can I try through the many trials? How can I grow when it feels there's no gain? How can I work when it looks so worthless? How can I serve when it all seems vain? Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Eternity matters, so do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Take care, my soul, that you not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Eternity matters, so do not lose heart. Why do I strive to help the helpless? Why do I stand up to name his good name? Why do I fight in the battle endless? Why do I shun all the pleasures of shame? Why do I cry when the world is careless? Why do I preach that the Savior came? Do not lose heart, do not lose heart. Eternity matters, so do not lose heart. Do not lose heart, do not lose heart. Take care, my soul, that you not lose heart. Do not lose heart, do not lose heart. Eternity matters, so do not lose heart. Here I shall preach till my voice is silence. Here I shall work till my strength fades away. Here I shall love till my heart stops beating. Here I shall walk in the light of the day. Here I shall press on to the finish. Here I shall hear my spirit say, Do not lose heart, do not lose heart. Eternity matters, so do not lose all.